Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, my dear redeemed brothers and sisters. Every good family is inclusive and not exclusive. Every good family draws you in, it grabs it, pulls you in so that you don't even realize that you're a part of the family. Now, when I was a senior in college, there was one thing. I went to Martin Luther College. My dad was, dad was the dean of students, so I saw him every day. And there was one thing that he absolutely wanted for me. And it wasn't that I would graduate college and go to the seminary. No, my dad absolutely wanted for me to have a girlfriend. Day after day, he would come up to me, and I could see it in his face when he was coming that this was about to happen. And he would come up to me and he'd say, Ben, I know you're still single, and have you thought about dating this girl? And then the next day it would be that girl, and that girl, and this girl. And I would just say, Dad, I'm sin- I, I know, I can do it on my own. But what would drive my father, a parent, to do something for, like that for their kids. What did he want besides me to have a girlfriend? He wanted me to know and share those blessings that come from a family because he knew those blessings of what a family brings to you. And he wanted me to share in those. And he also wanted his family to become larger. He wanted his family to increase because he loved his family and he knew the blessings of family. And I know that when I bring a girl home to meet my parents, especially my dad, that he's going to treat her like a daughter-in-law even before she's a daughter-in-law. It's this same desire that your Father in Heaven has for you too. He wants you to share in the blessings of his family and he wants his family to increase in size because all he wants you to do is be part of his family. And that's what Jesus' mother Mary and his brothers did not understand and we're going to see them not understand that today. So Jesus had been preaching and teaching all throughout Israel He'd preached the Sermon on the Mount. He'd cast out demons. He's healed the sick and the the crippled and all those who have diseases. And the Pharisees took notice of it, and they weren't really liking what Jesus was teaching. And in fact, one day, it was a Sabbath day, a day of rest. Jesus and his disciples were walking through a field. His disciples picked the grain and ate some. The Pharisees saw this, and they got really upset, and they said, Jesus, aren't you going to correct them? They're working on the Sabbath day. They should be resting. And Jesus rebukes them, and he explains what the Sabbath day was all about. And so the Pharisees hated this. They thought Jesus was teaching this different religion, and they wanted to kill him. But the people didn't want to kill him or hate him because he was doing so much for them. And so they brought Jesus, a demon-possessed man, and he cast a demon out. And the Pharisees were upset, and they said, he's casting out demons by Satan's power, and Jesus again confronts and rebukes them. And even after Jesus had done all this, the Pharisees say, give us a sign, Jesus. 
Show us a miracle. Can you believe that? The gall to ask this man who has been casting out demons and healing the sick to do another sign? And all this led to Jesus rebuking them and correcting them. And when Mary and his brothers heard about that, they were embarrassed. They were shocked and his brothers were furious. If you think about it, maybe you have had a kid or a parent or a friend do something and you're just like, oh man, what are they doing? That's what they were thinking. So you have the Pharisees who hate Jesus over here. You have a small group of people that like Jesus right here. And you have an embarrassed family outside. So listen what happens next. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside. They're wanting to speak to you. He replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. When that word came back to Mary, when that guy who passed the message along said to her, yeah, this guy that you said is your son, he's saying you're not his mother. How do you think Mary felt? Must have hurt. For you parents out there, imagine one of your children saying to you, you're not my mom, you're not my dad. This other person is. And for those of you who aren't parents, maybe your brother or your sister saying the same thing. That's not my sibling. It's this other group. How much would that hurt? I would just cut deep. And so that's what was happening. And it's, it's interesting to see this, and you're wondering why, Jesus, how could you say that about your family? But you need to know a little bit about their family history. In this same account, the Gospel writer Mark tells us that Jesus' brothers were upset. They thought Jesus was crazy, and so they were trying to take charge of him to not let him get killed, mainly because they didn't believe that he was the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And we find that part out in John, the book of John. And so with that family history, you can start to understand why Jesus is not being a disobedient son when he's saying that they're not my mother and my brother's. Instead, he's trying to teach the Pharisees and his family what truly matters. It's not flesh and blood. It's not looking like you're a good family on the outward appearance. It's not keeping the law and doing all these great deeds like the Pharisees did. But what truly matters is doing your heavenly Father's will. And so what is your Heavenly Father's will? We heard it in the video. It's the work of God is this. It's from John 6. The work of God is this. God's will, God's desire is this. To believe in the one who he has sent. To believe in Jesus. And in that same gospel writer's letter back at at the end of the Bible, 1 John, he says the same thing. And this is his command. This is God's command. This is what he wants. Is for you to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And with these words, Jesus is pointing out what truly matters. He's showing you what his will is and what his Father's will is more than anything else is for you to do his will, to believe in his Son, to be part of his family. And so, how does that look? 
Maybe some of you are thinking, you look back at your family and you're thinking about how you were raised and maybe that's what it is. Well, I can say that to you because I can look back at my family. And if there's anyone here who can rest on their family heritage, it's me. I'm studying to be a pastor. My dad is a pastor. All seven of my uncles are pastors. My grandpa is a pastor. My grandpa's brothers are pastors. His dad is a pastor. His da- my grandpa's dad's brothers are all pastors. If there's anyone who can look back and see their family tree and say, surely I must be in God's family. It's me. And I could do that so easily and look at my Lutheran roots that go deep into history. But all of that is worth nothing if I don't believe in Jesus as my Savior. And you go to church on Sundays. You've raised your family in a Christian way. You were part of a Christian family. You look good on this religious thing, but all of that is worth nothing if you don't believe in Jesus as your Savior. And so what does believing in Jesus as your Savior look like? What is it all about? It's knowing and trusting that Jesus came down to this earth and he died on the cross cross after living a perfect life to erase all the sins of all the world, yours included. It's believing that Jesus is the only way to go to heaven. It's knowing and trusting and believing that God's grace is bigger than any sin you've ever committed and will ever commit. And that's the beauty of God's will. That's one aspect. And there's another aspect also of fully trusting in God and believing in His Son as a Savior. When you look back at your life and you look at all what you've done and you see how it goes a different direction from what God wants, you start feeling guilty. You start being sorrowful and you... You don't know how you could do such a thing and you regret and you're sad and you just wish you could follow God's will. We call that contrition or godly sorrow. And when you have this godly sorrow, when you're feeling that and you're seeing what you've done and how you don't line up with God's will, go back to that cross where your Savior, brother Jesus, spread his arms out to welcome you into his family. Go back to that cross, to that message of that promise of forgiveness and rest on that. And Because when you rest on that promise, you know all these things to be true. And you'll get these feelings of joy and love and belonging. And when you have these sense of belonging, you realize that you're part of God's family. And what do families do? They love each other. They build each other up. They share experiences with one another. And families, they have all these traditions that they like to do, not just building each other up. They act like a family, and they, they have all these things that they do, and it's, they're passionate about it. And it's easy to think about that. You think about a sports team, or a fan of a sports team, I should say, or if you like a musical group a lot, um, it's easy to think about those fans because they get all decked out in body paint. They're facing all sorts of weather conditions, 
and they're just cheering, screaming their heart out. You can tell that they're living in this group that they belong to. Or that musical fan, that musical group fan. You have your favorite band. You know every word of every song. You have every album they've ever written. You can go to any concert that you want, and you will, because that's just you. And you're passionate about it, and it shows in what you do. So when you're passionate about Jesus, it's going to show in what you do too. And if you're passionate about Jesus, you're going to be passionate about that person next to you. And Have you ever noticed that there are times where you're closer to your Christian brothers and sisters than you're closer to your actual family? Maybe there was something that happened to your life, whether tragic or joyful, and you've shared and been more open to share that experience with your Christian brother or sister than you are with your family. And maybe you're thinking about that now and you're feeling guilty. Like, how could I turn my back on my family like that? But Jesus wants to tell you, and I want to tell you that it's okay to feel this way about your Christian brothers and sisters because it's one of these wonderful blessings that God has given us in our Christian family. He says that you are now with this family of faith believers. It's kind of when he points to the people listening to him, doing his Father's will. He says, these are my family. Not my flesh and blood, but these are my family. There's a phrase that goes, blood is thicker than water, family's stronger than friendships. Well, Jesus wants to tell you, faith is thicker than blood. And so, just enjoy that relationship that you have amongst each other this faith family that's stronger than any flesh or blood can ever be. Because you're part of a family now and you want to do what the family does and that's love each other. And with these words, Jesus tells you that the most important thing about being in his family is believing that Jesus is your Savior. But there's also a second thing and it's desiring to do what your father, your family wants you to do. And so you want to value God's morality, what God tells you to do, very highly. You want to do that. And you don't want to sit there and look at God's word and look at what he commands you to do. You don't want to wink at his word. An example is we often wink at speed limits. Yeah, 65, sure, but we all know what we can go. We don't want that view of God's word. Because we want to be part of his family. We want to value what he values. And so where do we find that motivation and that power to do what he wants us to do, to follow his will, to be on that path and be part of his family? It's when you dig into his word and you find that message of what he's done for you and his desire to make you part of his family and to send your brother Jesus down into this world to welcome you into his family. That gives you that motivation to do what God commands and what God wants. And he strengthens that bond of faith and that connection we have as you grow deeper and deeper into his word. That's what he did with Mary and his brothers too. It took him a while. It took him a while to come around, but we see at the cross, Mary understanding finally what this was all about. And Jesus took care of his mother. He gave her a new son, John, and he gave John a new mother, Mary. 
And we see at, after Jesus rose into, ascended into heaven, excuse me, the Christian church in Jerusalem, one of the most prominent churches, was run and led by a man named James, Jesus' brother, flesh and blood brother. And so this confrontation was necessary for them, but it was important. They needed it, and it took a while. And asking yourself if you're a part of God's family may leave you stunned and bewildered like it left Mary and his brothers stunned and bewildered. But this confrontation is just as important for you as it was for them. And if you're wondering, well, is God going to cast me out? Is that why he's confronting me in all this? I want you to take comfort, actually, in this confrontation. Because Matthew wrote this confrontation for a purpose. It was important for us to see this. But right before this confrontation about who is in God's family, he writes a passage from Isaiah. He quotes the book of Isaiah where he tells what Jesus will do. And it's, uh, it's famous. It says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Matthew knew it was important to confront you with this question of who's in God's family, but he also knew it was important to comfort you in this confrontation. And that's why he quoted Isaiah. Maybe you're a bruised reed or a smoldering wick, and you're wondering if you're in God's family, but Remember that you are God's reed and you are God's wick. And what does God do? He doesn't break you and he doesn't put you out because you're his. That's how strongly God wants you in his family. Amen.